So, I want to go ahead and get started about this thing called debt. <laughs> debt free, get out. With that being said, I want to explain to you what debt really is. Because even when I just mention the word debt, it even sounds heavy. Debt. So as I pull this up, I'll break down what our dictionary is saying debt is. One moment. And then I can decipher a little bit with regards to what I have to say. So just the regular definition of debt is something typically money that is owed or due. A bill, an account, a tally, financial obligation. Outstanding payment. The state of owing money. The firm is heavily in debt. Um, indebtedness, obligation, liability. That's just your regular definition of debt. But then we can go into Investopedia that has what is debt. Debt is an amount of money borrowed. Can you say borrowed? Borrowed. By one party from another, debt is used by many corporations and individuals as a method of making large purchases that they could not afford under normal circumstances. Can you say could not afford? <laughs> A debt arrangement gives the borrowing party permission to borrow money under the condition that it is to be paid back. Can we say paid back? Paid back. At a later date, usually with interest. Okay. So with that being said, as we all know, and just to kind of piggyback off of what Pastor had mentioned to us on Sunday, our Lord and Savior has already paid for poverty, debt, lack, not having enough to get by, and I think it's important, before I dive in and give you the basic nuggets as to how to get out of debt, to really change your mind and the way you think about debt. Debt is heavy. And I tried for many years to just cover it up. And there's two different systems. And when you live by this world system, you have to partake in this world system. When you live in God's system, it's a totally different principle when it comes to your commonwealth. So what I'm trying to get you to understand is you cannot pay tithes, but then you can't get mad when you can't pay your bills. And you can't get upset when every time you get a little bit of money, something else pops up because there are principles 
He is Lord over everything. So it's already his. He's given you an opportunity to be blessed. And as long as our hands are like this is what our pastor has taught us over the years. He's going to continuously give to us freely. Now, some of us may be in a position right now where you are giving tithes and you are giving offerings and you are giving first fruits and you are giving alms. And as you educate yourself on the return from those seeds, you also have to understand that there's a process. He's not just going to trust us with true riches. There's a process. And since he looks at the condition of our heart, he knows when we're ready for this. So it's one of those things where you just have to have gratitude of where you are in that process of giving. But he's not a man that he can lie. If you give, it shall be given. So as he is returning everything that we've given him and then some, and it might not always be monetary value, but I assure you there are different coverings and different unseen things that are going on because of those tithes, those offerings, and those first fruits. He is an amazing God. Okay, so we'll go ahead and dive into this because I really want to spend more time in you getting an understanding of how to kind of tap into some of these different uh, sites and stuff to find out exactly where you're at so you can figure out where you're going. I help a lot of people get out of debt. But when it comes to wealth management and investing and stuff like that, that's when I get you over to the big guys. So I've partnered up with a lot of people in Omaha, Nebraska, and the surrounding areas. Just a true blessing how I've come across some of these relationships. And I give that glory to God, too. So whether it be Ameriprise, Renaissance Financial, Edward Jones, uh, just some amazing uh, leaders in the industry for each particular client. It just really depends. And I'd be amiss if I didn't give a shout out to IT Tax Solutions because I've watched Irene Tryon work miracles. All right. So debt free. Get out. Credit reports. Who's pulled their credit report in 2019? Raise your hand. And if you didn't, don't be ashamed. It's, not, it's, it's something you kind of got to get in the habit of doing if you don't normally, if you don't normally do it. So um, being able to have your credit report is one of those things where you have people saying something about you financially and how you handle your finances, and you have a right to know what they're saying. So with that being said, you want to get in the habit of pulling all three credit reports and verifying the information that's on those credit reports is accurate. So if you go to annualcreditreports.com, you're able to pull TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian. These three reporting agencies gather information from different creditors and lenders, and that makes up that FICA score with a number of other key measurements. So when you go to this site, 
It's just going to ask for personal information, name, address. Um, if it's less than two years, I think you'll have to put like another address. But there's security questions to verify you, you are who you say you are. Then it's going to take you step by step to each credit, uh, credit report. So it'll pull up, let's say it pulls up Equifax. When it pulls up Equifax, it's going to give you a reading of like your personal information. Um, then it'll move on to your different trade lines, when the account was actually open, how high the credit limit was, etc. When the credit reports are pulled, not only can you kind of look through and see, is this stuff really accurate? But you're able to see the history of your credit report for the next seven to 10 years. So it should have stuff on there that dates back within seven to 10 years. And this is a, another percentage of your FICA score. So if I go through a typical credit report and I see on there American Express. You have American Express on there. You have the date that the American Express account was open. You have that you have a high credit limit of say 5,000 or so dollars. You have if you've made your monthly payments within 30, 60, 90, 120 day increments. And on some of the credit reports, it's gotten so user friendly, it's either like green or red if you're actually making your payments on time. Your credit history and uh, paying your, uh, making your payments on time is 35% of your FICA score. So it's very important to make sure you're making your payments on time because if you get behind even on one month, you take a ding on your FICA score. Um, when I'm helping clients clean up their credit, and they have accounts on there. Like, let's say all of a sudden uh, there's some type of medical issues and you've always paid your bills. And then you get put in a position where maybe six months to the next year things are hard and you're just not able to pay. You take a little bit of a hit on your FICA score, but because you are a payer and you've always paid your bills seven to 10 years of paying your bills, that hit doesn't affect you as much as it would a person who just doesn't pay their bills. A person who's out there getting loans and defaulting on those loans. So sometimes when you have hard times and you see that FICA score declining, I want you to keep in mind, have you been a payer? the last seven to 10 years? Because I assure you, if you start paying your bills off now, smallest to largest, and just focus on the smallest one first, you'll get that FICA score right back up where it needs to be. If you've been the type of person where you just have never paid your bills, you have to start somewhere. So let's start this new seven to 10 years paying your bill to get your FICA score up there. So it's very important you pull your credit report. Another important factor would be your inquiries, when people are pulling your credit report and they're looking at your credit report, and then fraud too. You wanna make sure no one's out there using your name and no one's pulling your credit report without your permission. Uh, nowadays, uh, everything is linked to everything, from Google to Amazon to you name it. 
And you'll be surprised how many times you'll go down there on the bottom of the credit report where it shows the inquiries, and you'll see stuff on there, and you're like, I don't remember having this entity pull my information. Well, you can question that stuff. Don't just let it sit there. This site, annualcreditreports.com, that you go to is so user-friendly, you can dispute it right online. And now there's laws in place where the creditors only have 30 days to respond. And then the credit reporting agencies will document something in your favor. This is a dispute. So in other words, don't, you know, don't just take the word of this. You need to speak with um, the primary holder of that account. So credit reports are very important. I can't say it enough. It's one of those things where you just really need to make sure you're pulling them regularly. Uh, FICA score, that's something I'll get into here in a little bit. Uh, but with your credit report, I'm reporting who you are financially. Is it correct or not? We're living in a day now where you can tell them how this should look. And you can question them. And you can go up against things that are not accurate, all the way from your payment to personal information to soft inquiries to hard inquiries. But you got to be able to go in there and question some of that stuff. And then as far as the lenders that you have on there, I come from a background of collections. So if there's something on there, whether it be now or in a few years, things will eat at me until it's literally paid. I, you can file bankruptcy if you choose to. I don't shun that on anyone. That is the uh, law of this land. If that's something you need to do, that's fine. Uh, but I guess being in collections for so long and knowing the heart of my father and just for me personally and our interactions, I just knew doing what I'm doing, I had no choice but to walk it out and walk out the process and turn stuff around and turn stuff around. And then I also found out working with my clients on a daily basis that it was good for me. So that might not make sense to everyone, but if it's a legit debt and you owe it, there's options to pay it. So when you're on that credit report and you have that American Express card that says you owe $5,000, but you know in your heart of heart, 2,000 of it is interest, I'm not giving you 5,000. We'll give you 3,000. And you'd be surprised how you can have that turned around and have them work in your favor. So with that being said, what are you going to pull on a regular basis? <laughs> How many credit reports are there? Three. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so let's make sure we are. And the reason I give you annualcreditreports.com is because not only it's free, but it's legit. It's so hard to find legit sites to pull credit reports and FICA scores these days. You really have to be careful because a lot of it is set up for marketing. And so when we're going through Google and we're like free credit report and then you're clicking on different things, you need to make sure you're looking at those hyperlinks that are underneath some of that stuff you're clicking on. Because if it's not saying like annualcreditreport.com or Equifax.com or TransUnion.com or Experian.com, just be leery of some of it because there's always some type of catch. And a lot of times it might just be marketing, but I just want to make sure you're aware of that. 
So it is annualcreditreport.com, and I do have that information on the handout as well. Okay? So I'll move away from credit reports, and we will move into your FICA score. Now this is that number or numbers, series of numbers that everyone is always talking about. I started to use an analogy with the FICA score with regards to the scale because we're always looking at it and we're always wanting it to go higher and higher and higher, but what we're not understanding is the key measurements behind the FICA score to get the FICA score to go higher and higher and higher. So with that being said, you hear so many things with regards to getting it higher, right? Pay your bill on time, and that'll raise your FICA score. Settle the accounts. No, don't settle the accounts. The only thing you need to do to get that FICA score higher is pay your bills on time. And I assure you, over the years, that FICA score is gonna get higher and higher, and when it doesn't move, then you can start to tap into utilization, opening accounts, closing accounts, but those are case-by-case -case scenarios. You need to see exactly where you are because I have clients that have no debt that have a low FICA score, and they're trying to figure out ways to get the FICA score up there, especially a lot of my business clients. They're like, okay, how do I do this with a business? Well, you gotta get credit. You gotta figure out a way to establish credit and grow your credit. And once you do that, that score is gonna start to raise automatically, and when it's not, then that's when we take that credit report we just talked about, and we start to dig into some of that stuff, and we try to figure out, okay, I'm paying this on time, but do, do I need to actually open another account? Am I, is my utilization higher than 40%? Because that's a big one, and when that utilization is getting over that 40%, and I had a um, contractor who was trying to buy a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of equipment, and he couldn't understand why he couldn't get the credit for it. Well, he was living off of his business credit cards, and the lenders could see that. He was maxing them out every time he had to pay, but he thought that's what he was supposed to do. I need to max this card out every month and then pay it off. No, don't max it out. Just use a little bit of it and pay it off every single month. He started to do that, he went and got his equipment. And so we were, he, he started to kind of understand the dance. So it's just a dance to it and it's wisdom. It's actually applying that wisdom uh, towards it to get it higher and higher. But there's so many different things you can do. So with the FICA score, if I could tell you anything, is um, you need to pull it. You can go to creditkarma.com and pull it for free. Now, nowadays, a lot of your banks and some of your major lenders already have this as um, something you can have for free right on their website. I think Discover might be one of those cards where you can tap, Capital One too, I think, you can tap right into the website and get this information for free. But if you're not with a bank that will give that to you for free, Credit Karma. Dot com, and I put that on the handout as well. Now, when you go into creditkarma.com, uh, it has security questions, just like annualcreditreports.com, where they need to make sure they know who you are. Now, the only difference with this score is that Credit Karma is a credit report card. 
So this company is really in business just for marketing and getting your information so that if you don't redefine black print, they can sell it and they make more money off the listing of you and everything that you do because they now have access to all your information. Uh, but they're legit. I've been using them for years. And they use TransUnion and they use Equifax to get your FICA score. So without Experian, it's just a piece of your FICA score. It's not even your true FICA score. So uh, in order to get that true FICA score, you want to make sure that you, you can go on the actual Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian site or you can work with your, act, your bank and have it pulled too. So there's a number of ways you can have it pulled, you just wanna make sure you're on the legit sites. But please know that Credit Karma is a credit report card and it only pulls from two of the major credit reporting agencies. Uh, and again, with the FICA score, find out what it is uh, by a show of hands, and I, and I don't wanna put people on the spot, but if you know what your FICA score is, could you raise your hand? Okay. Those of you that don't, it's something you just, you know, it, it's good to know if it's one of those things you're not really concerned with because you don't want to deal with leveraging your credit to do other things once you start to get into, you know, investments or stuff like that. That's totally up to you. But it is, you know, it is nice to have a higher FICA score because um, you don't always have to use your money to invest in different things to make more money after you move away from all the debt and stuff. There's a whole lot of other ways of accumulating funds. Not my expertise, so I'm not gonna get into that. FICA score, so I'm gonna move away from that and talk to you about your debt to income. <laughs> so debt to income. <sighs> All of this is just basics to get you to a point you want to know exactly where you are. You can't get out unless you know exactly where you are. And so these are different sites, just basic nuggets to get you started. Your debt to income ratio is just your expenses. It's just your expenses versus your income. I make $1,000 a month. I have $5,000 or $2,000 in expenses. I'm hoping you don't have $2,000 in expenses on 1000 a month, but I get it, and I have many clients. You'd be surprised, even the ones in the million-dollar homes that don't have enough money to pay their mortgages. So you want to know exactly what that ratio is. With that being said, you, you have to get some type of a budget in place. You need to know your expenses. I'm going to piggyback off of Dave Ramsey. You have a house, the most important thing in this home is your food, your utilities, your mortgage, and your transportation. If these four things are not being paid, you're not gonna be able to focus on paying credit cards and everything else that we are trying to have to live. 
So I get a lot of clients that they, there's so much debt, you don't know what to pay. So don't pay anybody. But <laughs> what happens is, and then, they, and then they come to me when they're being, once the garnishment and the liens and everything start. But we still work it out and we get them out of debt. Uh, but I always tell them, right, like we're doing tonight, it's the basics. You got to take care of the basics. You got to take care of your home. And Dave Ramsey is phenomenal. If that's some, you know, if you are thinking of, you know, being debt-free and living debt-free because... It's a mindset. It's a behavior. I've been debt-free a couple times, but it's actually changing your mind to stay debt-free. Seriously, because a lot of times once you get the house and the car and you're figuring, well, I don't need my FICA score anymore. Now I'm good. I got, you know, I got, no. We got to pay our bills. We got to pay what we owe. And when there's issues, um, another thing that comes up, well, I'm not paying because what they did was wrong. It was just wrong. And I don't owe it. Well, there's ways to dispute it. There's ways to dispute it so it doesn't have to sit on your credit report and you don't have to have collectors. And then there is a statute of limitations in each state. So just because you've heard crickets doesn't mean they're not coming after you. You get to that fourth, fifth year in the state of Nebraska, you'll have their attorneys reaching out to get their money because that's the ditch effort to try to get things paid. Now, every now and then, one might slip through and they just don't want to pay for an attorney to go ahead and collect the funds. You got lenders nowadays, they'll file it themselves. They're not even you know, worried about the attorneys taking care of it. Small claims court, they'll go down there, if a judge rules in their favor, yep. they can go straight to your HR payroll department. Yep. And they're so smooth now, I have this one client, um, who's self-employed, and uh, they, um, oh, so if you're self-employed, right, you don't have to worry about HR department or your paycheck being garnished because you write the paychecks. So um, you gotta go to court and you gotta report all your assets. You gotta report all the income you have coming in. And you go before the judge, you can't lie if you're self-employed, and then they get a judgment to attach to all of that. So it, it can get real ugly. And I mean, I don't mind working with attorneys. I'd rather work with the attorneys than the collection agencies because a lot of times in collections, um, we can take things kind of personal because you're messing with our commission check. <laughs> so you might find out when you're talking to a collector, they can be nasty because you're a number, I have to get paid, if I don't, I don't make bonus. If I don't make bonus, I can't pay for my seat. Sometimes my seat is five to $6,000. If I don't pay for that seat in three months, I'm fired. Wow. Keep that in mind when you're dealing with the collection agency. That's why they're coming for you. That's why they're calling. That's why they're coming for you. That's why they're calling you. That's why some of them are rude and some of them aren't. Now, back in the days when we first got, when we first got started, well, when I first got started, early 2000, uh, as a debt collector, you had to have a clean credit report to collect debt. These days, you got people who owe money collecting debt from you. So that's where your FDCPA laws come into place. So there's no type of abusive, uh, abusive scare tactics. 
And uh, they had to be put in place because nowadays these collectors, uh, they're fierce. And there are some collection agencies that I dance with because of my clients. And things can get ugly. So it's, it's when you're dealing with collection agencies, just know there's a hierarchy. You can speak with different people. If you're having issues with one person, it's okay to ask for a manager or to get someone on the line who's willing to go ahead and speak with you. And then if you are ever put in a situation where they are being rude and they're harassing you, just document everything. Because if you have a heart to pay, as collectors, we hear it and we know if you're gonna pay or if you're giving us the runaround like checks in the mail. So. <laughs> Sorry, but I've heard everything over the last decade of doing collections across North America. It's interesting. It is. It's very interesting. So I always advise you to be honest about your situation and be honest about what you can pay. I had this one client say, I asked them, they had an $11,000 Discover card, and I always ask my clients, especially when I know they're being honest, I've looked at their financial analysis and everything, and I see the money's not there, and I know they really want to pay their bills. So I say, you tell me what you want to pay. And she said, I don't want to pay nothing. I said, okay, that's what we'll ask for. They wrote it off. So I'm saying all that, to piggyback once again on what our pastor had mentioned. He will put his super on your natural. And you do have to decree and declare a thing because when it comes to debt and you have debt lined up and you have no way on how you're gonna pay it, he knows. But you gotta move forward in the right direction. And you gotta have a heart and a mind to wanna clear this stuff up. And you got to change the things that you're doing. And I'm just talking to myself. You got to change the way you spend. You got to change the things you think you need and have to have right now today. And clean up the debt. And the easiest process is the snowball plan. That's smallest to largest. You got 100 accounts. You got to start somewhere. The same way you racked up those charges, is the same way you get out of them. And sometimes, maybe it took a year, two years, 10 years to get these cards, credit cards racked up or what have you. Slowly pay them off, slowly clear them up. Ask for the settlements. If they won't settle, let them know, I'm gonna get you paid, but I'm moving on to this next one to see who will settle with me. Just be honest, be 100% honest about what you can do and what you wanna get. And I assure you, you'll get the debt cleared up. And you set, once you set your plan in motion, if you do happen to work with a company like Lana Solutions, and we set things in motion, and we set dates as to when you're gonna be paying different things off, and we meet regularly, you start to see the progress of paying these debts off. And then before you know it, it's nothing for those that do get refund, tax return refunds to pay off a debt completely with you know, everything they have ties, first fruits, first, please. And then use that money to pay off what you need to get cleared up. So uh, just keep that in mind, it is a process. So expense tracker, debt to income, very important, you guys. 
because this is where you are and you either have a surplus or you have a deficit and it's something you need to look at. Now, those of you that do have property and different assets and stuff like that, you can tap more into your uh, debt to asset ratio as well. But you have to know exactly where you are to move forward to get out of debt. I recommend Mint.com. Uh, Dave Ramsey has a every dollar. These are app budget apps. Mint.com, I put that on your little handout. You can look them up. And I like Mint just because it taps into all your online accounts and it brings all your transactions into that one app, which can correlate with your budget plan. So if my budget is to spend $10 on fast food for the month of March, and then I hit a restaurant and I go over that $10, oh, you get an email and you get an alert. Uh-uh, you're overspending here. So I like that because it's real time and it'll pop right up on your phone and you can see, ooh, okay. And then even with payroll deposits and different streams of income you got coming into your account, it's popping. It's letting you know that these monies have come in and it's letting you know what's going out. All the way down to your student loans and your 401k accounts. So keep that in mind. If there's online access to the account and Mint.com can link up to it, list all your accounts there. And, and I did appreciate that it could link to like uh, the 401ks and the student loans and stuff like that. Because that's some of those accounts that are on the back burner and we have no idea uh, what we're investing in or how much we owe in student loans. And to have that real time, real amount, everything just right there, it's phenomenal. So it's mint.com. And if you um, prefer Dave Ramsey, Every Dollar, that's a new one, just came out within the last six months to a year. That's another nice one, but they spend a lot of time trying to upsell you, and Mint.com is free. And Mint.com is with uh, QuickBooks, so Intuit, if I'm saying that right. All right, so let me go back here. All right, so I guess that's enough with the debt to income. If I can get you to uh, remember anything here, it would just be um, your expenses versus your income. I want you to find out if you have a deficit or a surplus. If there's a deficit, you're not making enough money to pay your bills. And you have to figure out a way to earn more income or you have to cut back on the $3 a day lattes. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm sorry, I use that as an analysis because of the, the coffee nowadays. But when you add it up, it pays for life insurance. It pays for all kinds of stuff. That's a lot of money. You can pay for vacations with that coffee money. And, and uh, that's a shout out to uh, Damon and Siobhan Ellington. They had that post. But uh, yeah, so let's make sure. If you can find your, your pennies and locate where your pennies are, you can find your riches. Because I guarantee you, if you're looking at your bank statement and you're going through your transactions and you start to highlight everything, like on a monthly basis or even every 90 days, you would be shocked how much money is thrown away. And most of it is food. I'm so serious. When we sit down and we go through the financial analysis, Fast food, restaurants, when they stop at the gas station to get gas, 
just all of that stuff, it adds up to hundreds of dollars every single month. And take some time, pull your bank statements and figure out what, where that money is. And you would be totally surprised. And there's times I'll go through it and I'll watch everything. And, and I'll see where, yeah, I went ahead and got the kids something I shouldn't have got them. But then I'll highlight it and I'm like, Oh, and, I, and I'll add it up over 90 days and I'll see what it equates to. And I'm like, oh, no. But you learn from it, too. And then it's going to change your behavior because you're going to start pulling those bank statements more regularly. And you're going to start wanting to see what's on there. And if it don't line up with you being debt free, it's got to go. It's got to go. All right. All right. And then budget. Budget is where I was going to piggyback on Mint, but it's pretty much the same thing. It all ties into that expense tracker. So when you do create a budget, budgeting nowadays is so easy because you can pull a template from anywhere. Pull a template, plug in the numbers. That's all Mint is doing. It's a budget app. So when you are um, working out your budget, uh, the number one thing is, and, and that just circles right back to like our blueprint as far as where you're going, what you're trying to accumulate. I think the biggest thing that people need to know with the budget, you need to make sure, number one, that you have things set up where you have an emergency fund. And this is going to be that two to $3,000 account. So when life happens, you blow a tire, you wreck your car, you don't want to call insurance because it was a fender bender, uh, school pictures. I mean, I can go on and on with all kinds of fees and stuff that pop up out the blue, and you just didn't have the funds available to pay it at the time. You have this account set up where you can tap into some of this different stuff. There's different co-pays and stuff for medical procedures you didn't know was going to be as high as it happened to be. That particular fund is just for those emergencies. When you're budgeting, you want to make sure you have a savings account. So working on getting your savings account where if you lose your job, you're able to sustain with your traditional expenses at least six to eight months. But you want to try to get it up to at least a year. So that means you get fired. Nowadays, these industries, I don't care who you work for. You have no idea what's going on behind the scenes with regards to them even giving you a paycheck or keeping you there another month or another year. Multi-million, billion-dollar corporations where the rug is being, you know, pulled out. There were a few more companies within the last year, major corporations that are starting to shut down. So, and that's stuff you can kind of look at, uh, but you need to make sure if, for any reason, you become ill, a spouse or a loved one, someone passes away and you happen to lose half of your income, you can sustain for at least a year. You want to get things like this within your budget because just because you're debt free doesn't mean a lot of people are in a paycheck or two away from losing everything. And that's another reason why it's good to have the FICA score higher. So when you do need to leverage your credit and there are things that you need to have, it's okay to work things out, to pay things back. Credit is there for a reason. Uh, we don't have to live off of it, but we can learn how to manage it and leverage it to work for us. 
Negotiate, my favorite. Open the mail and answer the phone. <laughs> Wait a minute, we laugh, but sometimes that phone rings. I ain't picking up that phone because you know exactly who it could be. And then the mail, if it don't have something you're familiar with, you're not looking at that either. And Vanessa taught us to stand by the trash can and go through the things that we know we're not going to read. So with that being said, open the mail and answer the calls. Because what's going to happen when you face this, because what happens with finances when you're not able to pay your bills, there's fear. So you get this fear of thinking, I can't pay, it's not going to be paid, I'm not going to deal with it. But when you don't deal with it, that's when you deal with the attorneys and the judges and different things that force you to pay something that you could have probably worked out and got written off or smaller you know, payment arrangements or something. And there's a relief of, you know what? I can't pay you, but I'm talking to you and I'm advising you. I'm unemployed right now. What do you want? You know, there's nothing I can do. Let them know that, but then follow up with me in a couple weeks or a month, and when I'm able to work something out, we will. Or by the way, do you guys have a financial hardship plan for situations like this? Yes, the majority of companies do nowadays. Um, I can't tell you how many different clients get medical bills and stuff written off because they reach out and they say, hey, I can't afford this. And what I've learned with a lot of payers I want to say maybe 80%, and this is just speaking on North America, wants to pay their bills. But when they don't know how to, it can be embarrassing. And that fear comes upon you, pride, everything else, and you're just like, I'm just not going to deal with it. But when you open up the mail and you answer the calls, you've taken a stance. I'm dealing with this. I don't know how I'm going to pay you, but we're going to work something out. And that's how you find out that a bank can write off $11,000. You may not know it, but there's a percentage within each bank, banking institute, that we already know we're going to lose. So with that being said, sometimes millions of dollars. They already know that. So they get to decide if they're going to include you in that settlement aggregate or total write-off or what that is, but you got to present your case first. So for those that do have certain debts that are out there, and they may be large, just know it can be worked out. Face it. Just face it and deal with it. So negotiating, document everything. You want to make sure you know who you're talking to. You know if you're speaking with the collection agency or you're speaking with the actual um, creditor. So I can be calling you on behalf of Capital One, but that doesn't mean I'm Capital One. And you can have first party collectors call you on behalf of Capital One who can say they're Capital One. But once you ask them, are you actually Capital One, they'll let you know. Because sometimes when the first party collector has the account, you still have grounds to go back to the original lender and say, hey, they're not treating me fair. I want to try to work something out to get this paid. Now, when it moves to third-party collections, that's when it gets a little more hardcore, and that's when they start, uh, you start tapping into where attorneys and different entities have bought the debt. And once they buy the debt, 
You're no longer dealing with this bank that's concerned about customer focus. You're dealing with people that want their money and they want it now because they paid a price for that paper and they want to get a return on their investment. Those type of collections is a whole nother, whole nother game of collections. And so with that being said, you want to make sure uh, when you negotiate, you document everything. Get the phone number they're calling from, get the person you're talking to. Sometimes they have a number, like an ID number that identifies them. Uh, even if it's a collection agency, nowadays you might even want to find out what region they're in. Find out if they're you know, collecting at AR1, Omaha, Nebraska, or if it's the one in New York. Because that way, it, when you capture that information right away when you speak to them, if they happen to be nasty or they you know, say or do something that's not right, you got all their information and you can flip that on them because there's laws. If you're being harassed and they're speaking to you foul, they can end up paying that bill themselves. So just keep that in mind. I mean, there's levels. You can go to the attorney general, to the OCC, to wherever it needs to go to make sure you're taken care of because as a consumer, you have rights. And I don't know if you've, um, Seen it in the news recently, though, but they're really starting to find out uh, that our three lovely credit bureaus are not doing everything they should be doing. And uh, it, it makes me think, you know, uh, with the realm of like doctors practicing medicine, you got to understand it's just man. They don't know everything. They're going to make mistakes. And that's why even mo more so we need to be pulling our credit reports to see what's on there. So write down everything. And don't be afraid to negotiate. Just be honest. I'm telling you, if you just be honest with what you have. I sat down with a business client over my lunch break today, and he has about $60,000 in debt. And this is just some sales tax debt. <laughs> and um, he didn't know what, you know, he, he didn't know what to do. He can pay it, but he's not in a position to pay it or what have you. Uh, but it wasn't his fault. So we get to talking about and unraveling exactly what happened and how he has this huge tax guru guy who is uh, promising him all these tax debt relief things for the last year and a half. He gets a letter in the mail now. They're getting ready to start garnishing and there's liens and all kinds of things going on. So he reached out to me and we went ahead and we contacted because he didn't want to call. He's scared. He pays his bills, you know, when he can. He happened to have some weird sales tax stuff going on um, that he didn't know about. He really didn't know the laws behind it. Uh, and so when it came to audit him, that's when he ended up having to uh, pay this huge $60,000 uh, tax uh, penalty. So he's trusting this guy to take care of the account and everything. He's not calling. He's not looking into it. He's just trusting this guy to take care of everything. Yeah, 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 I'm going to take care of it. Well, we get in there, we call state of Nebraska, and I ask them straight up, what do you got? What can you do? You know, that's what we're going to offer them. So we crunched some numbers and stuff, and we were able to send something over, start talking to the lady right away. She's not upset. She's not mad. Where you been? What's going on? And she's going to work something out. She's going to try to work out some type of a settlement in his favor. So with that being said, I just told you that just once again, you don't know what they're going to say. You don't know what they're going to do until you talk to them. And because I've been in management in the collection industry for so many years and have sat down with the largest banks in North America, I know they can write off debt. 
I know they can settle for 10%, 20%. Our own pastors have given us stories about different settlements and stuff like that. Um, medical debt completely written off for other people that have spoke uh, here in the church. But there are so many ways of getting out of it, but it's time to face it. So those are the basics. Moving on from negotiating. That's it. That's all I have. 